Welcome to Counseling Over Coffee, a podcast of Redeemer Counseling Group. Whether you are listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, we are happy to have you. And if you enjoy this podcast, it helps if you rate and review us, particularly on Apple Podcasts. And of course, any sharing of the podcast on social media is greatly appreciated. For more information about Redeemer Counseling Group, you can visit our website at RedeemerCounselingGroup.com or look us up on Facebook. And with that, here is Cherie with Counseling Over Coffee. So I'm back here for part two, Benny, of our discussion where we're opening up about things in our marriage related to something I learned from Tim Keller. And he summarized God's purpose for marriage in four ways. And last time we talked about the first two. Number one, to reflect his saving love for us in Christ. Mm Mm-hmm. And then to refine our character. And we had fun talking about that one. Right. So today we're going to talk about one that's really close to both of our hearts. And that's the third purpose for God designing marriage. And that's to create stable human community for the birth and nurture of children. Right. And we are aware that... Um, some of you are not married who listen in or don't have children. Some, for some of you that could be by choice or by providence at this point. And I want to be sure to keep many these folks in mind Mm -hmm. as we chat today, because I know that listening to a podcast about children can be painful for some people, especially those who would love to be parents but aren't or can't. Yeah. And by the way, I would I would want folks, the, these parents, to know that, uh, especially those who might be struggling with infertility. Yeah. Uh, that we love to pray for that. Part of what we've done over the years is just pray for those who yeah, have. That's true struggled with uh, conceiving and and dealt with infertility. So if that's you, just reach out, let us know. uh, And we honestly, seriously, we will take your names and we will pray for you that God would bless you, um, you know, with, with the ability to conceive and to have children. And we just, that's just our heart. And we'd love to do that. You're right. And that could be, Uh, infertility where you just haven't been able to have children at all. Maybe you're struggling with secondary infertility. Right. You have a child or two and you just aren't able to uh, conceive that third child Mm -hmm. or that fourth child. So in any case, there's a reason why we have this burden, Benny, right? Right. Absolutely. Uh, For those of you who don't know us, Benny and I struggled with infertility for four years back in the mid seventies when we were really young and people didn't really talk about fertility stuff back then, Benny. Right. Um, my parents and my older sister knew that I was infertile because mom had been told when I was around 14 through some testing that I wouldn't have children due to an extensive 
childhood illness I had. Yes. But she didn't tell us. I know. She was a woman of incredible faith. She and my sister both. And she just knew that God was going to take care of that. (laughs) And so after my sister and a friend prayed for me, uh, we learned that we were expecting our first child, Josh. And then we went on to have five more biological babies before God brought our little sweetheart, Julia, to us Mm -hmm. through adoption. So now we're a family of seven children and our 19th grandchild will be here pretty soon. Wow. It's incredible. Yeah. A little bit overwhelming. (laughs) Yes. Holidays are a lot of fun. Yes, they are. But having a large family wasn't initially our intention, right? No, absolutely not. And I wondered, Benny, if you'd like to share how God moved on your heart after we had our first two, and you were pretty content to be done there. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I, I can remember in the early days of the church there in, in Fairfax, right outside of Washington, D.C., I remember having these conversations with uh, a few friends, particularly John and Tim. And as young fathers, you know, we had, we had uh, begun to think through what we were committing ourselves to as far as parenting, particularly for the long term. And I, like you said, I had originally felt that we were done it too. We, oh, had, yeah. we had our boy. We had our girl. Both were named we were involved. Yeah, yeah. We, we were involved in ministry. This was mm-hmm. that, that was that, you know, we had we'd done our responsibility. And so now, <laughs> you know, let's, let's move on for the kingdom of God. But we would have these conversations and we would start talking about what it meant and, 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 and reading passages of scripture where what, what did the Bible have to say about families and, and their part to play in the declaration and the demonstration of the gospel? And sometimes in those conversations, we would get carried away and start doing the math and oh, talking about numbers. And, okay, if you have four children and those four children have four children, and we would just kind of uh, think about, okay, what's it going to be like at our 90th birthday? You know, when we've got all these children <laughs> right. and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, where are we going to have it? You know, Oh, I and remember we were, you talking uh, about, we're going to have to rent a yeah, hall somewhere right, because... Right. When I'm 93 uh, and I'm giving my blessing to all right, my people, right. there's yes. going to be so many of them. Yes. It's funny the things you think about as a young man that now as an old man, you think, wow, what, what, were, were, what were we thinking? Well, hey, our holidays, there's there's almost, there's like 33, 34 of us now. Oh, yeah. Um, and it is a blast. I mean, it really is. It really I is. Love and it. we're well on our way to maybe renting a hall someday. But That's true. God also did something really interesting and surprising to me with you, Benny, about adoption, which was amazing because a guy who was happy with two kids ended up gaining a heart, not just to have more kids, but to adopt. Yeah. So you want to tell folks about that? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit more even later, too, about my, the family dynamic, but uh, when I, as I was pastoring in in the D.C. area, and you were raising, you know, children, and we were trying to to build this local church, uh, we both got involved in racial reconciliation in the middle '80s, yes, we and did. even the, prior to that, uh, got very involved in the pro life movement in the in the late '70s, and uh, that's when we met some of our dearest long term. 
longtime friends, Brett and Cynthia Fuller, yes. who are still in the D.C. area doing great work yes, there at their are. church. And uh, we've loved them for so many years. But anyway, during, during that season, I, I sensed that uh, God wanted us to be willing to not just be activists in areas of racial reconciliation or even, even uh, pro-life, but being willing to kind of put our money where our mouth Absolutely. was. And that's yeah. where the whole idea of um, adoption came up. And, I, I'm, you know, we knew a couple of people who had adopted, but that really wasn't on my radar. It really was this vision for uh, both the racial reconciliation and the pro-life. And so I had some pretty specific criteria I remember. Uh, about the adoption, that it needed to be a rescue from abortion and it needed to be either a black or biracial child. And when God brought Julia mm. to us, I realized that, you know, parenting is not just meaningful from the standpoint of the difference that parents can make in children's lives, but the difference that those children, oh. the effect that those children can have on us as their parents. And I was so affected by uh, what God did in my relationship, particularly when she was younger, yes. my relationship with Julia. And of course, the biological kids always accuse me of favoritism and, you know, those kind of things. Well, they were, they were right. I mean, we had a friend who said, Benny, you need to stop grandfathering that girl. That's You're, true, but I was you... already 45 years old. I was ready to be a grandfather. <laughs> right. No, yeah. I mean, it was, it was just such a powerful, delightful envisioning kind of experience. Mm. And, and, uh, and it was even better than I had imagined. Oh, listen, she... Our Julia is uh, is now you know 26 years old and remains the joy of yeah, our lives, yeah. Benny. And she has kind of been the family diva since the day we brought her home from the <laughs> That's hospital. Right. That's right. And what a huge gift she's been to us and the difference mm, yes. that she's made in our yes. lives. But you know, parenting our seven kids, who now range from 26 to early 40s has really been one of the most intense joys mm-hmm. of our lives, yeah. hasn't it? Yep. And I love Keller's emphasis on marriage being a way to create stable human yes. community. He, yes. He's not just talking about procreation, is he? No. But about building a family that nurtures children to mature into stable and healthy and godly adults and it seems like he's pointing to to a, a parenting paradigm that's far beyond just making or having or adopting babies. Yeah, he I mean he clearly is. You know, you you grew up with a lot of that community life in your nuclear family and your extended family. Yes, I did. But I didn't. Uh, my family was disconnected and definitely was not a thriving community, but your family was different. Mm. And even when suffering would come or dysfunction that your big family experienced, there was a warmth and a closeness Mm. that really had a powerful impact on me, even as a 17-year-old punk. And and that, and and, and I didn't know, I really didn't know that, that family could be 
a stable community until I met you and your family. And, and they all became my family. Yeah, you know. and to the point that I'm convinced that mom loved you more than she did well, me. she did. But that, <laughs> you know, that, that's okay. But who was it that said, you know, more is caught than taught? I don't know if you remember who uh, said that. No, I don't remember. But <laughs> I'm indebted to my parents, all of my aunts and uncles and cousins that I caught family life from. Right. Nobody sat down and said, here, let me teach you about family. And, you know, the kids have been wanting me for years to write about my experience. Yes, yes. Especially with mom and her sisters, women who had a powerful yeah. influence on my life. I mean, there is, there is a good book there because of the, you know, because of the depression, because of the war. I mean, there's a good book there. Yeah, you the just, sisters. Yeah, you know, the they, sisters. You just they, need to do it. You need to do it. <laughs> uh, but they really taught me how to endure and grow and even laugh mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. incredible yes. suffering. And they really did have a powerful influence on me in ways that through counseling, mm -hmm. I've come to better understand, you know, in the past decade, which underscores Keller's point. The kind of family a child is born into makes a huge difference. Right. So let's talk about how parents can create that stable community with their children. And I'd love to hear your thoughts as we get started on that part. Well, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this over the years. Uh, and, you know, there, there are a couple of things that, that, that come to mind. Um, I think first, we saw the importance of trying to make sure that our kids felt secure in our love and our care yes. for them. yes. Uh, we we wanted them to know that we were always for them. And mm. you did such a great job being affectionate and encouraging to them. And mm. I, I learned a lot uh, watching you do that. And God knew that we would go through some really difficult, challenging times with our with our kids during their young adult mm -hmm. years. And I think the love and the warmth, that feeling that we were uh, for one another, even in the midst of the difficult circumstances, was really built into them in their, their younger years due to your example. Wow, that's so kind. And I, you know, we're still going through some hard times as mm -hmm. a family right. in some ways. And, and I am so grateful, so grateful that the, that culture of care, and I'm for you, is still there even this week you know we've walked through had some hard oh, conversations yeah. Yeah. with one of our children about one of our grandchildren mm -hmm. and and uh that feeling of we're for each other we're gonna look out for each other right right is, it remains so well another factor excuse me <coughs> sorry was the amazing changes that you made in being a different kind of dad mm. or or that you had, or mm -hmm. that you're even your father had, and your dad was a wonderful man. In yes, so and many I'm ways. convinced that he loved you more than he did me. Well, and, and you're probably right. But the second thing that our adult kids have said was important to them was knowing that even when they messed up or sinned, it wasn't going to negatively impact our relationship. Right. Right with them. Now, 
that doesn't mean, and you and I know, oh, yeah. that does not mean that we always handled their mistakes or their failures or their disobedience right. well. Right. In fact, we didn't, even though neither of us were yellers mm-hmm. uh, and we tried hard not to correct them when we were angry. Uh, they certainly knew at least when mom was irritated <laughs> and they'll talk today about how my footsteps on, uh, you know, when they're downstairs and they could hear my footsteps on the floor uh, above them were louder when I was headed their way. So <laughs> they would start cleaning or picking up stuff as a way to diffuse right, whatever right. was about to be said by mom. Yeah, and they certainly knew I was frustrated when the first thing out of my mouth when I got home from the office was, why are your bikes not put away? Who left the <laughs> right. trash cans out by the curb? You know, that's a, there wasn't a greeting. There was like, what is going on here? You know? <laughs> right, and I... I, I I remember, Benny, that there was a, a shift uh, after our oldest two, after mm-hmm. Josh and Jamie. Right. I, I began to realize how prone I was to lecturing them mm-hmm. and thinking that all that talking would help them to understand the seriousness of, of what was happening. But a friend during that time uh, helped me to see that Lecturing was really not very productive. Right. And I later saw it as an unintentional form of shaming them. Mm. And I feel, I still feel really bad about that. Mm. When I Mm. would go on and on about whatever they were doing wrong, and and it was, you know, I, I could be saying it in a very pleasant, kind voice, but as they got older, they, especially the older ones, were hesitant to come to me. When something was hard, mm-hmm. something was happening in their lives that was that was difficult, or they had done something wrong because they just didn't want to endure the lecture, yeah, and that bad feeling that they had disappointed me, mm. and and now those who were impacted by that are honest with me, Mom. We hated those lectures, and <laughs> yeah. we just apologized right. Right. so it would come to an end. Uh. So I'm so grateful to God that he intervened and helped me to make that course correction that I think benefited yeah. the other kids. You know, it was it was it was hard to know really how to talk with them when they had done something wrong or sinned in some way. And for for me, you know, out of a desire to kind of demonstrate the seriousness of the sin or whatever it was that was happening, I would react strongly to them and make mm-hmm. them feel like this, look, this is a really big issue. This is, and and as you said, it was a, a form of shaming them. Yeah. It was like, you know, this, is, and but it was also an example of what self-righteousness can look like. That's a really good point. And that it's it's not helpful to give them that sense of, uh, you know, this is so big, it's so serious that, you know, it makes them feel like, well, well, what am I to do? And, and I don't, I don't want to do that, you know, to my kids and my grandkids, you know? And there's so much more. I want to keep talking about this. I know. Yeah. Um, and there's so much more to talk about when it comes to nurturing children in a stable community, mm-hmm. you know, things like consistent encouragement and the importance of structure and security 
and knowing what's right. expected right. of kids, those kinds of things. It's but important. There, there's another ingredient to this that was important to us, and that was the place of training mm-hmm. and discipline. And I know that uh, discipline and specifically corporate corporal punishment isn't isn't spoken of in a in a in an important in a in a, in a right. positive right. way right. much anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a topic we don't see or hear nearly as much about mm-hmm. uh, it, as we did when ours were young. And I know we don't have time to thoroughly talk about this and something a couple of our kids have encouraged us to talk more about, and maybe we can do that another time. But I wondered if we could start by, would you want to share why training and disciplining our kids was so important and, and, and the place it has in creating that stable environment? Yeah, and and it is. I mean, it's a big topic, and it, it you know we're, we're obviously we're not going to be able to do a lot. But I think where I would want to start is with that. While we don't want to be uh, self righteous, we don't want to lecture our kids. We do want to be clear, mm. and if we don't directly communicate, uh, they'll still pick up on what our values are. I mean, I didn't have to talk to my kids about being Redskin fans. They <laughs> knew sure. that yeah. was a value. You know, none of our kids have ever lived in Alabama, yet they're all Auburn fans. Right. You know, so they, they can, and that's a silly illustration, but they do. They pick up on the things that are important to Morris you. Morris Cop and Tom. Right. And, and there's not a lot of passages in the Scripture that specifically deal with the training of children. I mean, I know people think there are a lot because of the Proverbs and some of the things that happen there. But when you think of the New Testament, there's really not a lot of passages that give us the kind of, of uh, direction that the Old Testament did. And I think that that's because the topic of parenting and marriage— are always embedded in the larger context of church life and community, which is why I'm glad you started where you started about the community of family. Because we're not limited to the wonderful book of Proverbs and teach, your, uh, teach a child in the way that he should go and some of the specifics that are mentioned there. But we've got wonderful, broader passages like Colossians 3, where Paul talks about to the to the whole body of Christ, the whole group of believers. Here is how you're to relate to one another, treat one another with compassion, gentleness, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, mm, mm. bearing with one another. Those are the things that we want to impart yes. to our children. God has given us the responsibility as parents to use encouragement and correction which is where the discipline thing comes in to clearly to to clearly communicate and demonstrate what the way that they should go really looks like and make it really clear what it is that we're talking about and what we really do value particularly as it relates to community i love that and using that colossians 3 what is it 12 12 through 14 14 um is great because it 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 shows that embedded in the larger context right. of scripture right. and the teaching of scripture and how we treat one another mm-hmm. that even our discipline right even for for those who spank right. their children right. for those who discipline in any number of ways 
that the discipline and training of children is embedded right. in compassion right. and gentleness and kindness and humility. Right. And patience and, and bearing with one another. Right. 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 That our children are fellow sinners. Right. It's not that we have this superior right. attitude or, or character. We're, we're coming alongside them for their growth. And that includes discipline and training. Right. And Correct. I would love to maybe talk about that sometime. And I've actually talked to one of our sons, Joey, about participating right. in a conversation like That'd that where he is a dad now of two could kind of could kind of help us talk through right. uh, some of the specifics of training yeah. and discipline yeah. uh, in the lives I think that's a great idea. Of, of children. So, well, this has been so great. Um, Benny, we, we are so yeah, blessed. Yeah, we are. We are. We are so blessed with our kids and with the relationship that we have with our mm-hmm. kids. Um, and with these grandchildren, um, and I thought it would be meaningful today to end with our favorite verse or two about parenting. I know that, uh, I think I know your favorite verse in all of scripture, Mm -hmm. but thinking about it with parenting. So, uh, what would, what would stick out to you as your favorite parenting verse or two? Yeah, I think my, um, favorite parenting verse is actually a psalm, Psalm 127. Uh, it's always been one of my favorite as it relates to, to children. Um, but, you know, it's interesting, there's been a shift of emphasis. And in, in the early days, the favorite part of that psalm would have been verse 4, which says that children are arrows in the hands of a warrior, oh, right. you know, and because uh, the image there is so enthralling as we envision this idea of shooting arrows out <laughs> that hit their mark. You oh, know, I and, remember us. Right, I remember yeah. those conversations. And, 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 but now that our children have been, in a sense, launched and right. are out there doing the things that God's called them to do and making their contributions and making their own mistakes and, you know, having their own victories, um, it's shift. Mm. It's shifted. And and now, as I think about grandparenting, about reflection, I'm more moved by verse 3, that children are a heritage, mm. a reward from him. The, 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 on, the, the favorite thing about parenting and grandparenting to me is this ongoing relational component, that friendship, mm. the co-laboring in the kingdom together. It, it really does uh, inspire me, and it, it's so rewarding and so enjoy, enjoyable. I love the, the vision of that psalm. Wow, that's really interesting to me, that the shift mm-hmm. at, from a, a young man just starting right. your family. And I wasn't aware. I just learned something from you just now that I wasn't aware of, that that, that shift and but it makes sense mm. because I see you. Um, I mean, you've done this for years, but I see the priority of your investment, that relational right. component. Well, you know, when the, so. when the kids were younger and I was homeschooling them and mm-hmm. dad was off. Right. Um, you know, uh, serving and, and ministry. You know, I, I spent the majority of the time with them like most moms. do. Right, right. And, um, and I loved it and I loved 
homeschooling the kids. Right. The, did a great job at it too. The, I still think of those years of having, wow. Mm, wow. Yeah, you are still affected by it, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, having a bunch of kids um, in tow. And yes. Needing three carts at the grocery store, some for the food and some for the kids. Yeah, you and missed that. That was your favorite time of I loved it. parenting. And I, I loved those years. Those um, those were very, um, are still very endearing yeah, years. Yeah. But as I watch you, I mean, you know, you have a lunch with a couple of the boys every week. Mm-hmm. You play golf with the girls. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're, you're constantly serving the family mm. and rescuing people with who need triple A toes oh, on the goodness. side of the road yeah. a couple of weeks ago with one of the grandsons and, and, um, it, it's been such a joy it for has. me to watch you well, it's and been the a joy way for you me. invest in our, well, thank in you. the adult children and the relationship that you have with them and the yeah. way they love you. Well, and your discipleship of mm-hmm. these, uh, even adult children, mm-hmm. how you still through your, uh, you know, skill set as far as counseling and stuff is concerned, how you still disciple them, and you mm-hmm. know, it's not just counseling. It's not about as we've said. It's just it's not about giving advice. You know, it's a, right. it's about walking with, and you've you've done that, and you've shown the way, and they look to you for these things. It's been powerful to watch. Wow. Thank you, and it. You know, it reminds me of of my favorite parenting verses mm-hmm. in Scripture. The first would be, I think, the obvious one, the one that that our kids would know. And, right. You know, Julia uh, gave us gave me that picture, mm-hmm. um, not this Christmas, I think, but last Christmas with the Psalm one thirteen verse nine. He makes the barren woman. Wow. I should have never started crying because now it's going to be hard to stop. Um, He makes the barren woman live as the joyful mother of children. Wow. And God did that for me. He did. He did. God healed me. Powerful. Uh, Then he gave us children when we weren't expecting them or asking them for them. Right. uh, But he really did take a barren woman Mm -hmm. and make her the joyful mother of children. Mm. And being mom to our seven J's. Right. Because once we had Josh and Jamie, as they kept coming, we had we to could. stick with That's J's, right? Right. Um, uh, and being their mom is one of the richest joys of wow. my life. It remains it remains mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they've given me all these amazing oh, yeah. grandchildren, yeah. Uh, which being a grandparent is like the best thing, yes. right? Yes, it is. And then, uh, well, most of the time. <laughs> right. Unless we're sitting on the side of the road waiting for right. AAA That's for an right. hour, That's right? That's right. But the other uh, verse that is just highlighted and underlined and starred in my Bible uh, are verses from Psalm 78 where the first few verses talk about speaking of things that have happened in the past. And then there are these words. I will tell things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us, 
and we will not hide them from our children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has done, that the next generation might know them. And children yet unborn will arise and tell them to their children so that they would set their hope in God. Amen. Amen. The kids and now some of the kids, the grandkids are hearing the story of my great, great grandfather. Yeah. Who used to pray Mm -hmm. for his children and grandchildren and great grandchildren. And and he prayed for me, someone who was yet unborn and put the desire in my heart Hmm. to begin the earliest memory that that I have about this. I was in second or third grade when I heard that story about my great-great-grandfather. Right, and, right. and I thought, I want to start praying for my children and my grandchildren. So good. And I didn't know that there was a, a real chance that I would never have children, but I kept I prayed for them, yeah. and I, I made a little book <laughs> um, with little pictures of the children I would have someday with little children around them. and You don't still have that, do you? No, uh. I wish I would give... Almost anything to still have that. But just that desire that the next generation and the generation after that would know. And now our almost 21-year-old granddaughter right. uh, has started praying for her children wow. and her grandchildren. And Kayla and I have these incredible conversations about um, my when she has children. Mm. And those are great grandchildren, oh, Benny. It's amazing. Um, and right, how... to see her love for scripture. Oh, gosh. Her it's... love for, for uh, spiritual things. It's so wonderful. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's a testimony to the mercy yes. and the grace of God. Yes. And so I know we didn't talk about this before and kind of putting you on the spot, but would you be willing to pray for couples? Sure. Who who just want children or grandparents or uh, parents of of adult children who know that their children would love to have children that's not happening. Um, Would you would you? I'd be glad to do that. I just, before I pray, just for those of you who've stayed with this whole podcast and and, uh, I mentioned early on about, you know, sending us, you know, uh, your name and request. I'd still love for you to do that so that we could pray for you by name. But I want to, I do, yes, I would be glad to pray for now. So, well, Father, thank you for giving us just this opportunity to do this. What a privilege it mm-hmm. is to talk about these things and, and to really just um, uh, observe and enjoy all that you have done over the years uh, with us as far as mm-hmm. parenting and, you, and discipling our children. Lord, for those who are listening, who are struggling with infertility, mm-hmm. so desperately to have children, but are having trouble, God, I pray that you would indeed uh, have mercy on them. I know you are having mercy on mm-hmm. them, but Lord, would you shape that mercy in such a way as that they would be able to conceive yes. and have children? Yes, God. Lord, you, you can do that. And Lord, what a joy it would be to hear stories of those who, uh, <laughs> after praying with us, Lord, have re- 
just receive such a beautiful gift from you. Mm. So, Lord, I pray that you would touch and heal those who are listening and praying with me at this point. And, Lord, that you would give them the ability to experience that miracle of conception and having, bearing, training children. God, we pray that you would pour out your spirit and your grace upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.